Bible reading today is from Matthew chapter 1, from verse 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And I'm also going to read verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Morning, everyone. Happy New Year. I only get to say that once in a while. (laughs) Um, My name is Jared. I'm pastor here. Great to have you with us this morning. Uh, Excited to open up God's word. And thanks to Paul for reading that for us. Uh, Please join me as we pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for you are good and glorious. We thank you for uh, giving us this new year. Thank you um, for your grace. Uh, Thank you for sending the Lord Jesus. Thank you that the Lord Jesus came in the line of Abraham. Please help us to understand what that means, uh, what that means um, as for who you are, Lord Jesus, and and, and what that means um, for us in light of that reality. We pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. I'm just going to move Paul's page out of the way. Not because I don't like his page, just because I need more space. Um, so, our title for this morning is Son of Abraham. So, we've, we've, we've read a bit there, but the main thing we're going to focus on is the fact that Jesus comes in the line of Abraham. Many of us have a, have a family member or maybe a friend who's really interested in family trees and origins and ancestry and that kind of thing. They've got their ancestry.com.au account. They've plotted out their family tree. They've done the DNA test, met potential relatives, and then told others. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's not you. And however interested you are in your own family tree... This morning, we're beginning a three-part series on Matthew 1, 1 to 17, where we'll be looking at Jesus' family tree. Um, I'm not sure how you feel about when you read through your Bible and you get to these long lists of he was the father of him and he was the father of him. Or maybe um, if you ever read the KJV like I did as a kid, he begat him and begat him and begat begat. <laughs> um, which means was the father of in case, in case you're wondering. Um, I think sometimes, uh, it, sometimes we might get across the list like this and think, well, now's the time to zone out. Um, and, and like, it's a bit of a relief from, from, from having to concentrate so hard. But actually, what I want us to see is that these, these, these lists of, of names are really, really significant. They tell us Jesus' family tree here. Um, and and uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know the names of my great, great, great grandparents, but here we've got Jesus' name, uh, the names in Jesus' line listed all the way back. And it's really, really quite amazing. Each week, uh, we're going to see how God made promises and um, how those promises were partially fulfilled in the Old Testament and then how they find their ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. 
Uh, so Matthew wrote this account of Jesus' life, and he begins with the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And this morning, we're going to be focusing on that bit that says Jesus, the son of Abraham. Now, Abraham was a, was a big, big figure in the Old Testament. Um, you might have heard of him from the song, Father Abraham. <laughs> had many sons. <laughs> many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. I didn't write this down, but, so, but, but let's all praise the Lord. That's, that's, that's how the song goes. <laughs> Maybe we could do that afterwards. After we, um, God made a covenant with Abraham. That's like a binding agreement um, that's centered on God's promises. And we're going to look at three of these promises, how they were partially fulfilled in the Old Testament and how they find ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. So we're going to go way back. Uh, way back into Genesis, uh, and, and, and we won't read all of the different passages, but for, for you, I'll, I'll tell you them, and later at the end, um, because we're kind of looking at how the whole story of the Bible fits together with some big ideas, if you want a list of all of the different passages that kind of put this together, come and speak to me, and I'll give you that list, and you can go and explore them more yourself. So the first promise we're going to be looking at is land. God promised a man called Abram, he was, he was Abram before he became Abraham, land. And, uh, and that land promise was to be for him, but not only for him, but for his offspring after him as well. And this land was the land of Canaan. It's a good land, described in the Bible as a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, it's a good land that God promised to give to Abram and his descendants. And so it was called the promised land, in case you haven't made that connection. The land was full of other people, though. Um, and so God's promise was also that he would drive out the people from the land in order to give it to them. Land was extremely important back then. Um, and having your own land would bring with it peace and security. God tells Abram first to go. Then he tells Abram that he will give his offspring the land. And then he says it will be an everlasting possession for Abram's descendants. So I'll show you that quickly. Um, you don't have to turn there unless you're a lightning Bible flipper. But Genesis 12, 1 says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So God tells Abram first to go and that he's going to show him the land. Uh, then in 12, 5 to 7, Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he told him to go. He's gone. He's seen the land. And then God promises to give the land to his offspring. And then he promises in 17.8, and I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So not only will God give this land to them, but it will be an everlasting possession. That's the first promise, land. Lock that one in your minds because we're going to be referring back to it. The second one, offspring, nation, people. What do you do with land? Have a think about that. What do you do? What do you do with land? Well, you, you live on it, don't you? But Abram didn't have any heirs. So how was that going to work? How, how could God give Abram and his family this land if Abram's family were about to die out? 
Not only did God promise Abram land, he promised Abram many descendants to make him into an enormous nation from whom kings would come. And God used a number of illustrations to convey this truth, two of which are relating to things which are innumerable or can't be counted beyond being able to be counted. Who's seen a really starry night sky? I don't mean like in the middle of the city and you look up and you see like three stars. I mean like go out where there's no light pollution, maybe out on a ship or out in the desert and looked up and seen the canopy. Who's done that? Yeah, fantastic. That really helps this illustration. (laughs) Because when you do that and you start looking at the stars, there's millions of them, aren't there? You can't possibly count all of them. There's so many. And God said to Abram that, that... that with the millions of stars, so shall his offspring be. That if you could count all of the stars, so should the offspring of Abram be. God's saying that the number of offspring that Abram will have will be beyond our ability to count. It's that big. This is a big promise, especially to a hundred-year-old guy whose wife was unable to have children. And um, so, yeah, and he didn't have any, any kids yet. And then God also uses another illustration like the dust of the earth. Now, dust seems never-ending, and I don't think that's just my house. (laughs) Um, If you imagine how many uh, dust bunnies there are in the world, there's tons of dust bunnies. But then if you imagine how many specks of dust there are, it's just like, wow, this is just completely innumerable. (laughs) Thanks, Florence, for laughing. That's my daughter. (laughs) She's got my back. Um, (laughs) God said that if you could count the dust of the earth, your offspring could be counted. So because no one could count the, uh, the dust of the earth, no one could count the offspring of Abraham. His family will be that huge uh, that we won't be able to count them. And God even changes Abram's name to reflect this. Um, I'll read that to you from Genesis 17, 4 to 5. Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, But you shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. So you see there that God has made this promise to make him uh, into into the father of the multitude of nations. A huge, huge family. So we had land, we've had descendants or people, nation, keep those in mind. And then world, blessing to all families. God promised Abram blessing. Abraham blessing, and not only Abraham, but every family on the earth through Abraham. To be blessed is to receive benefits from God, the most significant of those being salvation, eternal life. In Genesis 12, 3, God says these words to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So the promise of blessing isn't only for Abraham and his family, but for all of the families of the earth. And we we might be scratching our heads thinking, how's that going to work out? Well, I'm glad you asked, because we're now going to have a look at how those three promises are fulfilled partially in the Old Testament. And then once we've seen that, we'll see how they're fulfilled ultimately in Jesus. So land, nation, and blessing to the world. The first one, God leads his people out of slavery in Egypt. And after 40 years in the wilderness, he leads them into the promised land. Uh, You can read all about that in Joshua chapters 1 through 4. 
God keeps his promise. He keeps his promise to give his people the promised land. And we see that happen under Joshua. After all the wandering around in the wilderness, they actually get into the promised land. God has kept his promise. He makes the people of Israel cross the Jordan River on dry ground. And he drives out the inhabitants of the land before them and gives them the promised land. And while he gives them the promised land, we're still left wondering how God will bring his promise of land to completion. Because the people of Israel don't stay in the promised land for all, all that time. In fact, they actually go into exile, as is mentioned in, in, uh, in Matthew 1. The people get driven out of the land because of their sin. God casts his people out of the promised land. And so we see how God's kept his promise in giving them this promised land. But we're also left wanting more. We think they, this, this doesn't seem right. They're not in the land anymore. How, how, can God, um, how is God going to bring this to, to fulfillment completely, his promise? Joshua 3, uh, 17 describes how when they entered the, the promised land, it says, Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. And um, if you've read the Old Testament, you'll know what extreme patience God has with his people um, because of their, their continued grumbling and complaining in the wilderness, um, yet he still made a way to keep his promise um, and, and, and bring his people into the promised land. Not all of them, um, like Moses and um, the people who were older, but, but younger ones um, and people like Joshua made it in by God's grace. So that's land. So God does bring his people into the land, but they don't stay there forever in, in the Old Testament. Secondly, uh, we're thinking about family. Uh, Isaac was born to 100-year-old Abraham and his formerly barren wife, Sarah. And so many descendants are born uh, to Abraham that Pharaoh, by the time the people get to Egypt, plans to wipe them out. So beginning with Abraham, we see he actually has concerns uh, about having no heir. He, uh, he's, he's like, oh, no, I don't have an heir. Um, that means that this is all going to go to Eliezer of Damascus. You know, no one in my own family. And his wife, Sarah, couldn't have kids. Uh, being 100 years old himself, uh, he, he's an old man. And despite all of these concerns, God provides Isaac to be a son and heir for Abraham. God promised him to that he would make him into the father of a multitude of nations. And we see him beginning to keep that promise as Isaac is born. And from here, the descendants of Abraham continue to grow and grow and grow. And, and I don't mean like height-wise, I mean like as in lots and lots and lots of descendants um, into a bigger and bigger nation. By the time the people of Israel found themselves in Egypt, they were huge. Even Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, uh, believed the Israelites were too many and too mighty for them, to use his words. They were great in number and in strength and filled the land. And clearly God was keeping his promise to Abraham. But just like with the land, there was still more to, to be fulfilled. Two million Israelites from one really old guy and his barren wife is astonishing for sure, absolutely amazing. But there are still more stars in the sky and specks of dust on the ground. And so still more for God's promise to be brought to completion. That's uh, the, the family. 
Thirdly, thinking about the blessing to the world. We see throughout the Old Testament glimpses of God's blessing to the world. And, um, and we see that uh, because God had his chosen people, Israel, but we see how those outside of Israel, the Gentiles, there were, there were promises and things that, that linked to them that showed that God's plan for salvation was broader than just that group who, who, who were in Israel. So um, we see how God's plan for salvation extends beyond Israel uh, to the surrounding nations and how he calls upon them to turn to him and be saved. To give you a few examples, we see uh, the way in Exodus 23, 9, God calls upon his people to not oppress sojourners, uh, people who are kind of like uh, traveling through the land and, and passing through and staying um, kind of like on a temporary visa. And, they, and then he says, you know the heart of a sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. So we see God's heart for, for the outsider. Joshua 6.25, talking about Rahab. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belong to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Uh, we see how she was, she was included in. Uh, similarly, we see with the people of Nineveh, uh, who were formerly not God's people, they were brought into God's family. Um, and then there's this call in Isaiah that says in Isaiah 45:22, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. So God calls upon all of the ends of the earth to turn to him and be saved. And we're starting to see how God's promise to bless the world through Abraham is coming, uh, going, to, going to come true. We, we, but we, we don't know exactly how. We know uh, that, that somehow people will be saved who are not part of God's people. But we're kind of left wondering exactly how that's going to happen. And we also see how the people of Israel themselves, who, who were to be a blessing to, to those around them, didn't end up being a blessing to those around them. Um, in, instead of uh, living a life that was different to the surrounding nations, they adopted the practices of the surrounding nations and became like them. And we see uh, with the kings, for example, the idol worship that followed. Uh, so while some of the families of the world were blessed through Abraham's offspring in the Old Testament, we're, we're still waiting to see how God brings true, lasting blessing to all the families of the world. And that won't happen through compromise, like the people of Israel did, but through the one who is always faithful, Jesus Christ. Which brings us to our third point, the ultimate fulfillment of these promises. So we've seen how God made these promises to Abram, the land, uh, the nation, and the blessing to the, all the families of the world. We've seen how those have been partially fulfilled in the Old Testament. The people do get into the promised land, but they're not there forever. They then go into exile. We also see how God has grown his people, but not yet to the extent where it's as many as the stars in the sky or specks as dust in the world. And we've seen how some families of the world are blessed, but not all families of the world are blessed. And so we find ourselves wondering, how is this all going to be fulfilled? And Matthew, writing here, tells us the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And you see, it's crucial because Jesus is the offspring of Abraham. The Bible tells us that all of God's promises find their yes in Jesus. 
And so let's have a look now to see how the promises to Abraham find their yes in Jesus. So we see in, in, the, in the New Testament, so in, from, from this bit onwards, how Jesus prepares a place for his people in John 14, 1 to 3, and how there is a heavenly promised land. So have a listen with me in John 14, 1 to 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that, that, you, that where I am you may be also. So you see how Jesus makes that promise? The promise that those who believe in Jesus, who are united to him, will go and be with him forever. And, and, and that's, a, that's a promised land that we will never be removed from, never be kicked out of, one that we'll be continually in forever for all who believe in Jesus. Hebrews 11, um, verse, uh, let me see, verse 8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people to sp who speak thus, it makes it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So you see how for Abraham and his family, they too uh, lo were looking forward to an ultimate promised land, a promised land that where they would be with God forever, where God would be their God, they would be his people. And, um, and that, that promise is of a heavenly promised land that, 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 um, that is to Abraham and then is fulfilled in Jesus. And Revelation 21 uh, verses 3 to 4 describes what this is like. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Now that's an awesome promised land that God has given. And that's only possible in the Lord Jesus. So Jesus uh, brings about the ultimate fulfillment of this promise because he is the son of Abraham. He is the, the one who is descended from Abraham. There's a point made in, in the book of Galatians, <coughs> excuse me, which says that God made these promises to Abraham's offspring, not offsprings, saying that Jesus is Abraham's offspring. And so through Jesus, these promises then get extended out to all people. 
uh, so that, 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 that we've been thinking about the land. So there's this heavenly promised land to look forward to where Jesus prepares a place for us and where we get to be face to face with him forever. And uh, there's no sadness, no sickness, no mourning um, and no pain. Secondly, uh, thinking about the nation, uh, and we've just mentioned how Abraham's offspring is Jesus, in whom Abraham's family is extended innumerably. As many as the stars in the sky, as many as the, as the sand on the seashore, as the specks of dust in this world, uh, so shall Abram's offspring be, and that's through Jesus. In Revelation 7, 9-12, uh, he says this, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So we see there a very familiar language, a great multitude that no one could number, just like God had promised to Abraham, from all tribes and all tongues and all peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, dressed in white robes. And this, this here, we see the amazing promise to Abraham in fullness, because Jesus is the one who has brought in the nations. And so Abraham's family, which started out as, you know, that, that old guy, as Hebrews tells us, who's good as dead with his wife who couldn't have kids, God promised, now I'm going to make you a father of a multitude of nations. And you see him do it. So now when Jesus is on the throne there and the peoples are gathered around him, there are so many people that they can't even be numbered, as many as the stars in the sky. And finally, in Abraham's offspring, Jesus, all families are blessed. Uh, there's salvation for all who trust in Christ. Uh, we've seen that just now that Jesus brings an innumerable number of people and those people are from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people, every language. And Jesus brings them into God's covenant family uh, through Abraham. Uh, he says uh, this, uh, God says these words in Galatians, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then... Those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So we see there that God has said that he would justify the Gentiles by faith. So Gentiles being non-Jews, so people outside of the people of Israel, God preached this message, this massive news, that salvation would come to them beforehand by preaching, by telling Abraham, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So what, what this is saying here is, that these three promises of, of land, of, of, a, of a great nation, and of blessing to all the families of the world find their ultimate fulfillment and eternal fulfillment in Jesus. Because the land is a land that can't be taken away from the people. It's a land where they will be forever with God, where we will be forever with him for all who believe. Uh, the, the, the offspring, Abraham's family, extended to a number which we could never possibly count. There's going to be that many people. And also realizing that those people aren't all just from Abraham's line. They're all from all over the world. And that's possible because Jesus, who comes in Abraham's line, uh, has then extended that salvation out to all. So 
what that means for us is that it doesn't matter whether we're a Jew or not a Jew or a slave or a free or whatever it is, wherever we find ourselves, whatever situation we find ourselves in, the opportunity to be saved is open to us because it is in the Lord Jesus where we find salvation. God had made these promises to Abraham and he fulfills them in Jesus. And it's crucial that Jesus really is the son of Abraham because these promises were made by God to Abraham and his offspring. And so because Jesus really is the son of Abraham, we can have great confidence that these promises will be kept by God just as he has continually kept his promises to his people. And so when we, when we, when we look at these, these realities and we go, uh, wow, God is awesome, he's glorious, we want to know him, we want to, we, want to, we want to have a relationship with him. Well, aside from God revealing himself to us, we can't. But he has made himself known. And he's made known the way of salvation, the Lord Jesus. So that all of us, doesn't matter where we're from, what, what we've done, where we've been, salvation is open to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can all become children of Abraham by being united to Jesus. So you know how God made those promises to Abraham and to his offspring? We know that Jesus is the ultimate offspring of Abraham. All of us who, who aren't the offspring of Abraham um, and all of those who even are the offspring of Abraham actually need to be united to Jesus. We need to be made in union with the Lord Jesus so that those promises uh, which have been fulfilled in Jesus can then uh, be, be extended to us. Not promises that pertain to this life. So it's not saying that, um, that we, we somehow uh, get the, the, the land of Canaan and go and take it for ourselves or things like that. Um, or that each of us is going to be the father or mother of a multitude of nations. No, but we can enjoy the promises of God to Abraham fulfilled in Jesus by being united to Jesus. Whereby we get to live in that eternal promised land forever. Where we get to be a part of the most amazing family ever. Uh, united to the Lord Jesus and, um, and with him forever. And we get to be with those from all different backgrounds. And when you reflect on God's amazing power and love, he's brought people from all over the world uh, to be his people. He made those who were not his people to be his people. And that's just awesome love. So we've, we've been thinking about today about how God made these promises. He made the promises to Abraham, land, nation, blessing to the world. He fulfilled those partially in the Old Testament. Uh, we, we see the people enter the promised land. We see uh, Abraham's family grow to a massive number. We see uh, the, the blessing being extended to other nations as, as God calls upon them to turn to him and be saved. But we're left wanting more. And then in the Lord Jesus, we see the fullness, the ultimate fulfillment of all of those promises. We see how Jesus prepares a place for his people where we get to be with him forever. We see how Jesus brings about the extension of Abraham's family far beyond just his own lineage, but to the entire world. And, uh, and we see how that includes people from all different backgrounds. So what, what is this, uh, how does this rubber hit the road for us? Well, I think there's a few things for us to, to really take to heart here as we reflect on the truth that Jesus is the son of Abraham. Uh, we, 
we can look at the way in which Abraham responded to God's promises uh, and see that as a helpful pattern for ourselves. You see, in, in Genesis 15, 6, uh, it says this, and he, talking about Abraham, believed the Lord, and he, talking about the Lord, counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham's response to God's promise was to trust him, believing that God would come through on his promises, taking God at his word. Um, and we too need to respond to God in this way, uh, believing him, trusting him and his promises as they're fulfilled in Jesus. And whereas Abraham was looking forward to Jesus coming, we look both back and forward. We look back to Jesus coming to die on the cross. And we look forward to Jesus' return to bring all of those he's died for uh, to salvation with him. We can have great confidence in Jesus. Um, many of us will face times of doubt and worry and things like that. But Jesus is the real deal. We've got historical records confirming that he really is in the line of Abraham, the one God made these promises to. And so we know that God will keep these promises as he has done. We also know that all of God's promises find their yes in Jesus. Ultimate fulfillment is always found in Jesus. The promised land, the ultimate promised land, is the heavenly promised land in which we will be with Jesus forever. The ultimate offspring of Abraham is Jesus, who brings about the adoption of multitudes into Abraham's family. And the blessing to the world through Abraham is brought about through Jesus opening the way of salvation for the Gentiles, for all people. So when you're looking for fulfilled promises that God's made, look to Jesus. Uh, knowing that God made these promises to Abraham and fulfilled them in Jesus tells us that God is trustworthy, that God fulfills his promises and he does it in his own time. And it also tells us that we can't rip these uh, promises out of their context and apply them directly to ourselves. God promised to make Abraham into a great nation, but he didn't promise that to you or I. Uh, these aren't promises we can claim for ourselves. They were given by God to Abraham specifically and then ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, some people have used these sort of promises to manipulate people, um, particularly to try and get people to give more money, uh, saying that if you have enough faith and give enough, then you'll receive all of these blessings. That's a lie. Don't, don't listen to people telling you that. Um, we're free from false guilt around faith because these are promises to God, from God to Abraham that are fulfilled in Jesus. These aren't promises to us fulfilled in us. Um, watch out for that false teaching. And, and then finally, salvation is open to everyone, as we mentioned earlier. It doesn't matter what your background is. Um, and when we remember that actually we're all deserving of God's judgment, that God's going to judge the world in righteousness, in fairness. Uh, when, we're, when we're children, we think that's not fair a lot. And we think that, that you know, we're entitled to some kind of fairness. As we grow older and become more self-aware, we realize fairness really isn't in our best interest. You know, standing before a perfect God who's going to judge fairly, uh, fairly would mean that we would be destined for hell. But salvation is on offer to all people. To, to all people, and it's on offer through the Lord Jesus and only the Lord Jesus. So we, can, we, we must come to him, and we must come to him today uh, because we, we don't know how long we've got. You know, Jesus is coming back. We're also all going to die at some point. 
and then stand before him and he will judge in fairness. Our only hope is that we are united to Jesus, that we are in him, that we're found in him, so that at the end when God judges the world in righteousness, he doesn't look at our record, but looks at Jesus' record. And so like Abraham, we must come to Jesus, believe in him, and have God counted to us as righteousness. If you've never done that, then I urge you, I implore you, I beg you, do that today. Be right with God. And I ask you to come and speak to me afterwards as well. And if you have done that and uh, you want to, to just be encouraged in your faith, um, please do also come and talk to me. I'd love to chat with you and pray with you further, as I'm sure everyone else here would as well. We, we believe in the God who is the God o- over all time, over all space. He made these things. And you think about how he's brought them all to fulfillment in, in the Lord Jesus. Uh, I think often we can underestimate the power and the glory of God. Um, but he is truly awesome. Uh, so come to him today. Please join me as we pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you thanking you that you are the son of Abraham, the ultimate offspring of Abraham, in whom the promises given to Abraham are extended out, uh, that, that salvation is on offer to all people. We thank you so much for that, that it's on offer to us who don't deserve it, who have done nothing to earn it, Uh, but you have uh, freely given it to all who believe. And so, Lord, we come to you uh, and we come like Abraham. We come uh, trusting in you, trusting in your word, what you've said, uh, trusting that that you have paid the price, Lord Jesus, on the cross to save us from our sins. And we pray that you would count that to us as righteousness, that we may stand justified right in your sight at the end. Thank you, Lord, for how you bring in the people from from the nations. Help us to have that mindset among ourselves of looking out to the ends of the earth and calling upon people to be saved. Lord, give us eyes to look forward to the ultimate promised land where we get to be with you face to face forever. In Jesus' precious and almighty name. Amen.